Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Right. Praise God. Are you guys ready? I'm not. <laughs> no, it's sometimes it's really you think it's easy to come up here, but you know, it's it's not at times, you know. You don't know what you, you, you don't want to come up here and just say what you want to say. Because, you know, you, 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 seek, you seek the Lord and, and, and the Lord puts something on your heart to, to speak about. And sometimes He doesn't. And sometimes He does. But that depends on whether or not you're really in fellowship with Him or you're getting rooted in Him. And, and the, this message is... Something simple, but all I can say is that just pay attention because I'm going to do some reading out of the book of Ruth tonight in chapter 3. And if you want to put a title to it, I said, did you get it? I didn't tell him anything, but did you get it? All right. And I'm not going to tell, I'm going to read uh, a little bit out of chapter 3 first, but before I start to do that, you know, this is about a, a family. And, uh, the wife's name is Naomi. She had a husband and two sons. They left their, their hometown and they went to Moab. And and the, while she was there, her husband passes away and she's there for like 10 years. Her two two sons and married Moabite woman, and both the sons have passed away. So now Naomi tells her daughter-in-laws to go back to your moms, go back to your families, because I'm leaving and I'm going back home. And they, they kiss them, and they say their goodbyes, but only one of the, one of the daughter-in-laws went back to her mom, to her family. But the other one insisted on staying with Naomi, and that was Ruth. All right? And she says that where you go, I will go. Your God is my God. All right? You understand what she's saying? She's given up her old life. She's given up her old ways. She's trusted in the God of Naomi because she saw what God was doing in her lives, all right? And she doesn't want to go back to that old lifestyle, all right? So now we're here at the point in chapter 3, verse 1. It says, One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of, Kinsman of ours, tonight he will be 
windowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he's lying and then go and, and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. Verse 5, I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Verse 7, when Boaz had finished eating and drinking, he was in good spirits. He went and laid down and at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and laid down. In the middle of the night, something startled him, the man, and he turned and discovered a woman laying at his feet. Who are you? he asked, and I'm the servant Ruth. She said, spread the cover over your garment, over me, since you are my kinsman redeemer. Amen. I'll stop there, all right? And you might not understand what this means right now, uh, but this is what, what the Lord has given me. And here, you have to understand, I want to pray before I go any further. Father God, I just want to thank you and praise you, Lord God, for what you're doing here, Lord God, for everything that we've seen and gone through these last couple of weeks, Lord, for the well conference that you have brought together for us, Lord God, and for all the speakers, all the prophets, and all the pastors and preachers, and all the, Lord God, every word that was spoken over our lives, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for over this weekend, Lord God, as you brought another servant Lord God, unto our household, Lord God, that brought friendship and fellowship, Lord God, and Lord God, stirred up your people, Father God. We thank you, Lord God, for what you're showing us, what you're doing, and what you have spoken into our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you all the praise and glory. Amen. Amen. What this is all about is that many of us are here for the conference. And, and and a lot of word has been spoken, a lot of word has been preached, a, a lot of uh, spoken words from prophets over our, our lives, and each and every one of you. Many of you had your lives spoken over. And many of you know what was spoken to you. Only you know, and deep down inside, what God was dealing with you about, or speaking to you about, or or maybe there needed to be changes taking place in your life. But we came with anticipation. We came with expectancy. We came expecting God to do something in our lives, and we didn't know what we came here for. We didn't know what we were expecting to happen. But we, we came here because we wanted something. We wanted to go deeper in what God had for our lives. But one thing I noticed about this story about Ruth is that she didn't want to go back to the old lifestyle. She didn't want to go back to her family. She didn't want to go back to the gods that her family believed in. She says to Naomi, your God is my God. She trusted in God. She trusted in the living God, and she wanted change. See, a lot of times we, we want to hear from God but we really, do we really, really listen to what he's telling us? When we came to the conference and the word of God spoken over our lives, 
this week, did we grasp it? Did we get a hold of it? Did we listen to what he was saying to us? Did we understand what he was trying to do and what we were saying and what needed to take place in our lives? See, a lot of times we hear what God is speaking, but a lot of times we just, well, we let it go over our heads and we didn't really comprehend it. We didn't really write it down. Maybe sometimes, you know, we need to do is go back over and listen to the message again or, or, or look at our notes and understand what was said and what was spoken to us and, and see and hear again what God has said to our lives. See, a lot of times we, we hear it, but we don't do anything with it. We don't, don't comprehend what God is trying to tell us. See, a lot of times God is trying to tell you that he's got a promise for you. He's got a, he's got a calling for your life. He has something for you. He has a purpose for you. He has somewhere for you to be and somewhere for you to go. But what are you doing with what was spoken over your life? Have you taken any action? Have, have you even done anything with it? Have you made any preparations? Have you even thought about what God's spoken to you about? And, and everything that, that is, is spoken to my life, and, and I don't take anything lightly. But one thing is that it was a refreshing. It was a, a, a stirring in our lives. I've I seen things taking place. I've I seen the breaking of the ground the first night because uh, Evangelist Joe, uh, Jose, he did something. There was a breaking there. There was stirring in the house. And lives were touched. Lives were changed. People were spoken over. And yet... The thing is, is that you look at the, the following week and the following days and, and what happened? What happened to that stirring? What happened to what you heard? What have you done with it? Or, or did you just say, well, it was just for that night. It was just for that day. And yet, then we had the following day. We had a couple more speakers and, and more words spoken over our lives and, and more Things are taking place, but you know one one word that stood out the most uh, was on on Saturday night with Pastor Philemon. The one word that he used: stability. And many times, pastors preached on, on being rooted and and the storms and the winds that come in our lives, and and he uses the illustration about the the palm tree. But yet. Pastor Philemon used it, he, he knew how to use his wording and, and, and how he, he interpreted it, and it still comes out to the same thing. If you're rooted in the Word of God, if you know what God's doing in your life, and you know what you're going through, you know the storms that you're going through, you know that the winds that are coming in your life, and if you're rooted in God, you're going to stand, you're going to stay, you're not going to fall, you're not going to run, you're not going to go back to your mama. Like the name always told the daughter-in-laws, go back to your mama. She didn't say go to daddy. She goes, go back to your mama. But the problem is that we don't listen. God's word is, you know, it's amazing. There's so many stories in the Bible. There's so many things in here. There's treasures in here. 
But a lot of times we don't even grasp a hold of what's in the Bible because we don't read it. We don't comprehend it. We don't want to know any more than, well, when I come to church, maybe I'll listen. Maybe. Just maybe. Maybe I'll recognize something that's happening. But you know something? We have to understand that the word spoken over your life, did you understand? Did it have an impact? Did it touch you? Did it touch your heart? Did you feel something different? Did something stir inside of you? Because I, I, I look around here and I, and I recognize every one of you here. You were here during the conference. But did something stir inside of you? Did something motivate you? Did something make you want to change? Did something make you want to do something different? Because see, what God has put inside of you only you know what you've gotten. Only you know what you received. Only you know what you need to do with it. God might reveal it to us. But the thing is, is what are you doing with what you have received? Is it, do, is it, is it changing you right now? Is it changing you? Is it it's still having an impact on you? Are you still thinking about it? You see, one thing I, 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 I recall, here our pastor's been here for, what, 21 years. But before he came out here to the city of Las Vegas, God had to stir his life, stir his heart, put in a city in his life to come out here. And one thing about, about that is like, I, I love uh, Josh's message last week. He said he had to do some uprooting and get rerooted. Well, you think about what Pastor had to do. He had to uproot where he was at. He had to give up everything where he was at to come out here to Las Vegas and reroot himself into this city for you. For you. Every one of you that are here, the only reason why you're here is because Pastor left everything else behind to do what God called him to do. And, you know, you look at the shirt that he's wearing tonight. I want to use that for an illustration because if you notice, it shows the Raiders on there. All right. But, you know, the, the pastor's been carrying the ball for a long time. And finally, finally, God is probably put is the one to put it in his heart. You know, you need to pass it off. you got to throw it to somebody. And he's been doing that. He's releasing something in the house here. And he's released it to Pastor Brandon and Pastor Desiree and to myself. That's just a starting point. That's just something that the Holy Spirit is doing as he's stirring things in the house of God and wanting us to get us to realize something is happening. Something is taking place in this city. And it's not... Anything that I can do. It's not anything my pastor can do, but it's God doing something inside of us. But you have to know that you have to be rooted. You have to know that you have to get deeply rooted. You have to know that when the storms come, because, you know, there are going to be storms. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be a battle. But you got to be ready for it. You got to prepare for it. You got to fight. You got to put on the whole armor of God. You can't just put on well, I'm just going to wear the helmet today and step outside and BAM! 
Well, I'll just wear the belt to hold my pants up. No, God says put on the whole armor. Because the enemy, don't worry, he's not going to attack you from behind. Because he's a coward. I was looking at a remark that somebody, uh, the devil and his grandma. Come on, he ain't got a grandma. He's a sissy. But you know, there's things that we have to get rid of in our lives. And, and, and another brother uh, um, put a text in there today. Brother Duardo, yeah, pointing the finger at you. They said, I got to get rid of some movies. Anyone want to buy some movies? He said, no, I'm kidding. But you know the bottom line to that? He says, no, I can't sell them to anybody. I need to burn them, right? need to burn them. You know, there's things in our lives we need to get rid of. And when God has called, put a calling on your life, and there's a lot of you that are here, God has put a calling on your life. There's been people in the past that God has put a calling on their life, but they're not here today because they ran. They weren't stable. They weren't, they weren't where they needed to be. They weren't rooted. They picked themselves up and, and ran because they don't want to do what God has called them to do. But you're here, and God has put a calling on your life. Maybe it's to, to evangelize. Maybe it's to pastor. Maybe it's to just to preach or to teach or to have the, the gifts of healing or whatever it is that God has put on your life. But what are you doing with it? Because, see, in order to do what God wants you to do, you have to realize that you have to give up some things. You have to let go of things. Like my brother said, I gotta, I gotta get rid of it. I gotta get rid of it. I can't watch that stuff no more. I can't do those things that I used to do anymore. The problem that we have many times is that uh, we, we don't wanna change. We don't wanna change. What we wanna do is we, we don't wanna let go of the old. We just want to hold on to some of the world or most of the world. But as a child of God, God doesn't want you to hold on to any of the world. In fact, where you're at, he wants you to understand that you need to pull down the heavens unto where you're at. You need to walk with the, the power and authority that God wants you to have through the Holy Spirit. But if you're not calling down for God to give you something greater than what you already have. Because you, if you're trying to rely on your own self, like Brother John said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to change my wife. I'm going to change my family. I'm going to know how to, I'm going to do everything that I can to, to raise my kids without God's help. I'm sorry. That ain't going to work. He says, it doesn't work, does it, brother? Because see, we allow our, the world to influence. We allow the world to take control of us. We allow the world to tell us what to do, just like what it's doing right now. Politicians are trying to tell you what to do. We won't bring that up in the church because politicians, they don't know anything. They, they think they know everything. They went to school. They're educated, all right. They, they want to know the law, but they don't want to know the law of Christ. 
They don't want you to teach Jesus. They don't want you to bring it up in the schools. They don't want you to let anybody know that Jesus is the Lord and Savior and he can change lives and he can change your destiny. He can change what's going on in the world. He can have a better hope for what's going on around you than what you can do for yourself. But what are we doing with what God has given us? What preparations are we doing? Are we allowing him to motivate us? You know, a lot of times we, we, we think about what, what, what is it that I can do to make that change? What preparations can I do? What, uh, what is it that I need to let go? And, and I thought about that and thought, of, I even woke up during the middle of the night and that was on my mind. This is, and I'm thinking about what kind of scripture? And, and my mind's blank. You know, sometimes the only thing I can tell you is God wants you to come to Him. That's what He showed me. You need to cry out to God. You want to see your life change? You want to see what God wants to do in your life? You want to go in the direction that God has for you? You want to see the promises that God has for you? Then you need to call on Him. You need to allow His Holy Spirit to touch your heart, touch your mind, touch your life, touch your family, touch your household. You men that are here today, you are the priest of your home. You need to protect your household. You need to protect your marriage. You need to protect your children. But you need to call upon the Lord to show you what you need to do. But what are we doing? Have we made any effort to see that change take place? Have we even understood what God has called us to do? Did we even comprehend the calling that God has given you? The enemy is out there. The enemy is real. I want to read out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 36 tonight. Verse 1. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Then the king of Assyria sent his field commander with a large army from Lahish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. When the commander stopped at the aqueduct at the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field, Alakim, son of Hilkiah, and the palace administrator, Shaba and the secretary, the secretary and Joah, son of Sahab, the recorder went out to him. The field commander said to them, Tell Hezekiah, I'm going to stop right there, right? First of all, first of all, I read, it said, King Hezekiah in the first verse. Now we come down here, the field commander said to him, Tell Hezekiah, you understand what's happening already? 
He's not calling him King Hezekiah. He's already demoted him. He's already put him down. He's not looking at him as a king. See, that's what the enemy tries to do. He puts us down. This is what the great king, he's already lifting up the king of Assyria, says, uh, what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say that you have strategy and military strength, but you speak only empty words on whom you are depending, that you rebel against me. Look now, you are depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff, which pierces a man's hand and wounds him in the leans of it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. If he you say to me, we are depending on the, our Lord, our God. Isn't he the one who, whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying unto Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar? Come now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you will put riders on them. How then can you repulse one officer of the least of my Master's officials, even though you are depending on Egypt for his chariots and horsemen, furthermore, I have come to you to attack and to destroy this land without the Lord. The Lord himself told me to march against the country and to destroy it. Verse 11, Then Eliakim, Shibna, and Joash said unto the field commander, Please speak to us to the servants in Aramaic, since we do, since we understand it. But don't speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of, of the people of the wall. But the commander replied, Was it not only for the master and for you, and that my master sent me to say these things, and not to the man sitting at the wall, who like you will have to eat their own filth and drink their own urine? Verse 13. Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will be given to the hand of the king of Assyria. Amen. The king is only telling them, surrender. Surrender to the king of Syria. He's going to destroy you. Don't trust King Hezekiah. Don't trust what God has said, that he doesn't need to surrender to you. Don't trust the fact that God says that he's going to protect you and he's going to give them unto you. See, the enemy is going to tell you that I'm going to take you down. I'm going to destroy you. And I'm going to put you under bondage. He, he offers them all kinds of things. He offers them chariots, horses. He says, hey, this is, you can have all this. And, and surrender to me and we're going to take you and put you in another place. And you'll be able to have everything you want. That's a lie from the devil. See, the devil doesn't want you to do what God wants you to do. King told his men, don't speak back to them, don't answer them, don't reply to them, because he already knew that the enemy was going to attack. See, the enemy is going to attack your household. 
The enemy's going to attack your marriage. There's, there's people that aren't here now because the enemy has already attacked them. And they're not listening to the Lord. They're not listening to the Lord. They're not listening to the Word of God. They're not listening to the Holy Spirit speaking to them. They're running. They're hiding. They're not being stable where they need to be at. We can reach out to them. But if they're not going to respond, there's not much we can do unless God get a hold of them. It's time. God's doing something in this city. It's time. Awakening needs to take place in our lives. He said the harvest is out there is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And we can, the thing is, is that we had a great outreach. And the thing is, is that it doesn't have to stop there. We had a great fellowship, but it doesn't have to stop there. We have, a, we have something that's happening. We have life groups that are stirring and starting up, but it doesn't have to stop there. See, the enemy wants to stop everything that God wants to do here in this city. But it's up to you. What are you going to do with what God has placed upon your life? What has he placed upon your heart to do? What calling did he give you? What are you going to do with it? What preparations are you going to make? Who are you going to call on? What are you going to do with what God has given you? See, we all know what he's spoken to our lives. And only you can answer God. Say, here I am, Lord. Send me. I'll go. Because some of you have been called. You're chosen. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, he says. He doesn't just call anybody. He calls the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He's called each and every one of us. We, we were nobodies. Nobody's when we were in that world out there. And one thing is that when we come to be a child of God, we have to let the world go. We can't hold on to the world. We can't hold on to what the world's trying to offer you. The king of Assyria was trying to offer King Hezekiah a way out. That's not a way out. What the enemy tries to offer you is not a way out. He's going to put you in captivity. He wants to put you back in chains and bondage. And God has set you free from that. Why would you want to go back to what you were? Ruth told Naomi, your God is my God. I'm not going back to my mama. Amen? I'm not going back. See, one thing you have to realize, you can't go back. God didn't call you to go backwards. Lot came out of Egypt, come out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and his wife looked back to be a pill or a salt. See, when, when you go back, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing when you go back except destruction, a fall. The devil will take everything that you have. And he says, when you go back into that old habits, that old ways, that it'll be seven times worse. I don't know about you, but after being saved as long as I have and, and living the way God has called me to live 
and seeing the blessings of God, there's no way I'm going to go back. There's no way that the devil's going to get a hold of my life. Oh, he, he grabs a hold of those that are around us. He grabs a hold of our families. He grabs a hold of our friends. He lies and deceives them, and he takes them away. But they're not his. We need to call upon the Lord to say, Hey, God, I, I want my family back. I want my friends back. I want them to know who you are. I want them to know that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that you are the only one that could give salvation unto those that will call upon your name. This is no heavy, revy message. It's just a, a re, recall of what God has spoken over your lives. These last couple of weeks have been tremendous. But if you don't do anything with what God has given you, it's going to fade. You got to keep going with it. You got to keep growing with it. You got to keep getting rooted in it. You got to keep calling upon God. And one thing I, I, I made a statement about, uh, about the movies is that, yeah, today's movies, it doesn't matter what the ratings are because they're all dirty. They're all foul. They've got too much language, too much sex, too much whore. And, and, and this time of the year, and, and then you got movies coming out that are dealing with demonic spirits. I'm sorry. You don't need to be watching that kind of stuff anymore. You don't need to be watching those horror movies anymore. I grew up, and my dad was, he, he was a fanatic about sports, but then it, besides sports, that's all he watches, all these horror movies back in the day, and those were, back then it was different than today, but the thing is, is that, come on, grow up. Really, just grow up. Is it so hard to understand? Grow up. It's just so hard to understand that God says, move on. Why are you still where you're at? Why are you still trying to go back to those old habits, those old ways, those old people, your old friends, your old drug addict, your old alcoholism, your old thefts and robberies and lies and deceit? Why? What for? What good is it? What will it do for you? Nothing. Took everything from me. When I came to the Lord, I had nothing. I barely had clothes on my back. I didn't even have a pair of shoes. I can remember those days. Drugs and alcohol took everything that I had. Everything. Not only took everything that I had, but it, uh, it caused me to steal from my own family. And why would I want to go back to that lifestyle? It cost me jobs after job after job because I couldn't handle working, being messed up so badly when I show up to work. So why would you want to go back? Wake up. Wake up, church. You're not promised tomorrow. What God has given you, 
is the ability to do his, his kingdom's work. Amen? If you have a calling on your life, use it. Do something with it. Pursue it. Find out what you need to do. Ask the pastor. Study, learn, read, get more rooted. Pick up a book, learn. Pick up the word, read it. There's a lot of stories in here. But it's not just stories, it's reality, it's truth. This is a book of history. But you won't, you won't find it in the schools being taught as a history book because they don't want to believe that it's God. They deny who he is. But not me. Will you confess him as Lord and Savior? And he will change your life. So it's close tonight. And most of you, I recognize most of you probably saved but, you know, there's always the opportunity that's, that, that perhaps maybe you've fallen away. Maybe you've backslidden, or maybe you've just given up hope. Maybe you've just given up on God. Maybe you have not wanted to call upon Him no more. You don't want to hear from God no more. You don't want to listen to what He has to say anymore. You don't want Him to help you out in your situation or your marriage or your family or your job. You just don't want to call upon the Lord. But you know something? The only way that that's going to happen is you have to surrender. You have to surrender. And if that's you tonight, if you...